okay, what if, what if we just uh, bear down on each other and corner each other and pressure each other? It might modify behavior short-term, but it makes no long-term difference. Well, hey, friends, my name is Jeremy Reipel. I'm the lead campus pastor at the Plymouth campus of Woodside Bible Church, and you are in a special edition of The Link today. I'm so glad to be hosting and bringing to light uh, things in our culture that intersect with the biblical world. And I am here to talk with the author of uh, this incredible book, The Death of Porn, uh, Men of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility, and that's Ray Ortland. And Ray has written just an excellent book to help us navigate through this issue. Uh, Ray is the pastor to pastors at Emmanuel Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he's also the president of Renewal Ministries, uh, as well as being a canon theologian with the Anglican Church of North America. And along with this book, he's written several others, including uh, commentaries in the Preaching Today series, uh, Isaiah and Proverbs. Uh, he's written some of the study notes in the ESV Study Bible and a handful of other great and really helpful uh, resources. And it's my honor to have Ray on with us on the link today. Ray, thank you for being here uh, with me. I'm really encouraged and glad to be able to have this conversation with you today. Thanks, Jeremy. It's a privilege to be with you. Yeah, grateful. I'm grateful. So we're talking about your book, The Death of Porn, uh, Men of Nobility, Building a World of Integrity. And I just want to know why your concern for uh, men with the issue of porn and, and this, this death to porn uh, topic is the way you put it. Yeah, because porn has become the wallpaper of our culture. Uh, it's everywhere. And um, even if we're not looking at porn, it's, it comes looking for us and confronts us and pressures us. So wherever porn goes, oppression goes, trafficking goes, injustice goes. And uh, we, we, we men, if, if we're going into porn, it, it hollows us out. Our sexuality is such a glorious and personal and tender part of our existence, our God-created existence. God gave us our bodies, and he's not looking to take them back. He's not wishing he hadn't done so. He is not um, uh, sickened by our sexuality. Um, he still likes the idea of us being embodied men and women, and he is only going to glorify our bodies. And so the porn industry has no respect for us at all. It has no respect for any woman, any girl, any man, anywhere. It is predatory throughout, and it is pervasive throughout. And it hollows a man out. It, it takes a man who, who God created to, to stand tall with confidence and with consequence, a man with steel in his spine and, and spring in his step and, and sparkle in his eye and, and hollows him out and turns him into a smiling poser who has to fake it. And God wants to lift that guy up, every guy in that condition and every woman. I mean, what, what junior high or high school girl is thinking, well, when I grow up, I want to be in that industry. They end up there by being degraded and humiliated and coerced. And we're not okay with that. It's, so it's pervasive. It's everywhere. And everywhere porn goes into our lives, into the lives of others, it does nothing but, but injure people and poison people and humiliate people. So I'm not okay with that. And I'm declaring war. Yeah. 
Good. Uh, many times when we think about uh, pornography, we, we privatize it. It's just me and the computer, uh, me and my life. You frame pornography and the issue of pornography uh, in a larger picture of being a justice and, and cultural issue that, that really uh, needs to be dealt with. Um, it's a community issue. Why do you see it in that way and not just the individualized, um, personal, isolated uh, experience? Yeah. Well, our personal character as men and as women really matters. Um, but I, I don't even use the word purity anywhere in the book because that has some connotations by now that I don't want to complicate the book. So our, our personal character really matters, but there's just more to this. Porn is a justice issue because it is moving out and destroying human beings everywhere we look. I cannot not care about that. Jeremy, you cannot not care about that. God cares about every single person on the face of the earth today. And he calls us to allow our hearts, to give our hearts permission to be broken and to become tender. So, Jeremy, you know, we look back on um, the days of slavery here in the United States, not that long ago, historically. And here in Tennessee, where I live right now, this was a slave state. And there is blood of slaves on this on the land of my state. When we look back at that time in American history, we see basically three human profiles. We see slave owners, people who were involved, owned slaves, traded in slaves. Secondly, we see passive onlookers who just kind of shrugged their shoulders and they said, well, you know, these things happen. It's just the way it is. What can you do? And thirdly, we look back and we see active liberators people who stuck their necks out and said, this is wrong, let's go set people free. And now we look back and we are grieved for the slave owners. We are offended. And we look with mystification and bewilderment at the passive people. And, and we want to fist bump the, the liberators. Well, we are in the same position today. There is a new slave trade in our culture. Who are we going to be in our generation? Let's be liberators. And that's why I wrote the book. That's great. I noticed today you tweeted uh, in a rejoicing way about a lawsuit, uh, I believe in Canada, that was pretty significant against a couple of the major uh, pornography sites and industries. And I think that just points out how pervasive and uh, big this is in yeah. our culture today. And I think, Jer Jeremy, the, the time has come. The moment is now. We have traction right now that we didn't have even two and three and four years ago to um, diminish, stigmatize, and marginalize the porn industry. Everybody can see now, Christians, non-Christians, everybody can see this is not okay. This is not doing anybody any good. And uh, so let's join the fight, guys, and, and, and let's make a difference with our lives that will matter forever. You wrote this book primarily to young men. You address it as letters to young men. Uh, can you speak to why you uh, identified and narrowed your audience um, in that in that specific way, and why letters? Yeah, I really had two two reasons, Jeremy. One is, I just don't believe anybody is helped by being scolded, belittled, yelled at, and so forth. So I wrote these as not chapters, but as letters from a father to a son. 
And each one begins, dear son. Because I wanted to, if I could, just put my arm around the guy who's reading it and put my arm around his shoulder and, and just have a, let's talk. Let, let's talk about some important things that we both care about very deeply. So I hope that, I, I wanted the letters to have a, a calm and fatherly and reassuring tone. Um, because then we can all kind of let our guard down and, and get real with each other and talk about what's really going on. Um, when, when that trust is established and gentleness. So that was one reason uh, why I wrote it in letters. But the other thing that got me going uh, thinking that way was, was a letter that John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he died in 1791 in London. And the last letter he ever wrote uh, was to a young politician named William Wilberforce. And he, Wesley wrote a letter to Wilberforce and said, basically, you've got to give your life to bring down the slave trade in the British Empire. And, um, and, and you will be opposed because it's, it, there's a lot of vested interest protecting that industry, a lot of financial interest. Um, but you will prevail if you will stick with this. You will prevail because God will be with you. And Wilberforce received that, and you know what? He said yes. He said, okay, let's do this. And he and friends, others were politicians, others were um, philanthropists, others were ministers and so forth. And together they, they formed a, a, a coalition, a group of Christians who for the sake of Christ, for the sake of conscience, for the sake of justice, for the sake of humanity, uh, and it took 30 years, but, uh, and they suffered many defeats, but you know what? They didn't quit, and in the end, they won. The British Empire became a more humane place where people could flourish because John Wesley wrote a letter to William Wilberforce, who recruited friends, and they prayed, and they stuck their necks out, and they made an historic difference that now we look back on those guys, we have so much respect for them. Well, let's do it. Yeah. This is our turn now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you, often we hear the call to fight against porn in negative terms. You know, stop doing it. Quit looking at that. You're a filthy person. This is disgusting and dirty. You approach the struggle in the book from a different angle. And, and you talk about, see who you are. See your nobility. See her nobility. And I think that's completely different than most resources I've read on pornography and that struggle. Can you share with us just your reasoning for that approach? And, and why take that angle? Why lift us up when we're dealing with deep sin? <laughs> yeah. Well, nothing else works. I mean, okay, what if, what if we just uh, bear down on each other and corner each other and pressure each other? It might modify behavior short-term, but it makes no long-term difference. Jeremy, the reason why I took, I made grace and dignity and nobility my approach in this book is, I believe the gospel of Jesus. What is the gospel? Good news for bad people through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Now, if that doesn't work, if that doesn't actually help people, um, then God got it wrong. But God is wise and loving and very shrewd, and he knows how 
we can just dare to sort of come out of hiding and step out from the shadows of denial into the light of honesty and start to talk together about and pray together about what's really going on. And it's good news. It's hope that gives us traction for newness of life. The gospel does not begin with Genesis chapter 1 and the fall of mankind. The gospel begins, pardon me, it doesn't begin in Genesis 3 and the fall of mankind. It begins with Genesis 1 and God's goodness and God's wisdom and our dignity in the image of God. That's where the gospel begins. So the primary message of the Christian gospel is not um, how wretched our lives are. Okay, we have to face that. But the first message is the glory that God gave us originally and wants to give back to us. That's amazing. Hey, you know, here's a cool thing, Jeremy. When we're with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth, we're not just going to get back what we had in the Garden of Eden. He's going to give us the Garden of Eden again, but better than before. We're going to end up with way more, and it's not just going to be Adam and Eve. It's going to be this massive new human race, all ethnicities, all cultures, and we are going to have a blast forever. We're going to, you know what? In the new earth, man, we're going to be, walk around every day making new friends, and every single person there will like us. And every single person we meet every day will feel like our brand new best friend. And we can start to experience that right now. And gather people into that experience. And help them come out of darkness into that kind of community and solidarity and joy. That's beautiful. What a compelling vision. We, we know today that pornography isn't just a male or masculine issue. Um, it's becoming ever more um, prominent and uh, popular, uh, even among our sisters in Christ and females. Um, what would you have to say to, the, to women who are struggling with porn and porn addictions? Um, how do we um, let this conversation go kind of across the genders? Yeah. I, I, re I wrote this book for men, but women readers have told me it helped them too. Um, I wish Janie were here right now because she could give you a a, a better qualified answer, but I would say to uh, any precious uh, young lady who is into porn, I wonder if you realize how magnificent you really are. And that's not flattery. It's just the truth. And it doesn't matter how low you've sunk and what's, what you've done and what's been done to you. God perceives you as magnificent. He perceives you as royalty. He cherishes you. He rejoices over you. His heart is moved on your behalf. And in defiance of every way your heart has been broken, why not dare to believe it? Dare to believe it. And um, so, you know, the world tells us how wonderful we are and just affirms everything we do. God doesn't do that, but he does tell us the truth. And, you know, in the book of, in, in the book of Genesis in the Bible, on page one of the Bible, Jeremy, 
it says God created male and female in his image. That means if we are images of the king of the universe, that makes us his royal representatives here in this world. There is nothing that Satan can do to anybody to take that away. God has given it. He has not taken it back. So to women and to men who, in sadness, in loneliness, in despair, have gone to places we shouldn't go, I would say, you still are who God made you to be. Dare to believe it. Turn around, come back, and let's walk together into a better place. So great. Well, just as we uh, wrap up today, can you cast a vision for us of what our lives would be like if the porn industry fell and Christian men were building this world of nobility as you talk about it? What, what would the church, what would the world be like? Like, just help us see the beautiful vision of, uh, of what God wants to do. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Well, let's think about that at two levels, at the individual level. One, I wrote this book with a certain guy in mind, not an actual guy I know, but a sort of composite of hundreds of young men I've known. And I gave this guy a name. His name is Jake. I wrote this book for Jake. And he's uh, in his 30s, um, you know, lovely young wife, cute kids. He's working hard. He's, you know, climbing that mountain uh, of his career and, and uh, you know, kind of loves Jesus, goes to church now and then. And he's really doing pretty well. But he does have this sidebar that he's not proud of. But, you know, when life is really stressful, sometimes he goes to porn. And Jake doesn't realize Ten years from now, there's a good chance his wife is going to be totally fed up with him. Twenty years from now, his kids might have no respect for him at all. Thirty years from now, he might not even believe in God. Jake doesn't know the path he's on. And I wrote this book to help Jake get onto a new path, where ten years from now, he and his wife are like crazy in love, more than ever before. 20 years from now, his kids love coming home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And 30 years from now, Jake is a man of consequence for the kingdom of God in this world. His life is so impactful. He can get on that path. And, and so I want every, oh, how many Jakes are there like that in the world today? I mean, dude, your life can be amazing. Dare to believe it. Go get it. It's yours in Christ. It's free for the taking. Okay, that's at the individual level. At the, at the larger cultural level, what if 10 years from now, Jeremy, the porn industry, what if the revenues of that wretched predatory porn industry are down by 10%, 20%, 30%? What if that wretched industry is finally perceived more and more widely for what it is? It is an affront to humanity. And what if... What if we so stigmatize and marginalize the porn industry that we are actually getting traction for a whole new... Listen, in my own lifetime, I have seen smoking cigarettes stigmatized. When I was like in you know, junior high and high school, all the cool kids smoked cigarettes. You know, and, the, and the, the, the famous movie stars who were so suave and cool, they all smoked. Nobody, they were just constantly smoking. That was the paradigm of cool. 
In one generation, we've turned that around because the tobacco industry didn't care about us at all. They were making money off of us and making us literally sick. Okay, we can see cultural change. And it doesn't take forever. The message has got to get out and every guy can be part of that message. I love it. I love it. Well, Ray, thank you for your time today. I'm so grateful for you. Thankful for writing this book. I know I've gone through it with a handful of men at uh, my campus in particular. We actually listened to the audiobook uh, as we read it along. So to hear your voice in that fatherly voice just leading us along chapter by chapter was just really beautiful, and we're very, very grateful for that. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for letting me on the program today. The book is The Death of Porn, Men of Nobility, Building a World of Integrity. It's by Ray Ortland. Uh, we hope you'll pick it up. Thank you for joining us for this edition of The Link.